This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to today. A lot of wild talk. Got some Aaron Rodgers talk. He was on SportsCenter for Kenny Mayne's last show on Monday night. Got to talk Twins, too, because they're, uh, they're playing a little bit better lately. Getting a little, uh, a little bit more attention deserved to them. Not anywhere near 500 yet, but uh, going in the right direction anyway. We'll also hear from a bunch of you talking wild. Um, talked to a couple of you last night uh, after the Wild beat Vegas 4-2. Talked to you guys over Zoom, fans uh, of the Wild. Get some good insights from you. Found out the confidence level you had going into uh, going into Monday night's Game 5 was at an all-time low. And now it's uh, it's definitely a lot better after that 4-2 win that cut the series deficit to 3-2 and sent the series back to Minnesota um, with a, with a you know, 3-2 series deficit, but now a home game, 8 p.m. Wednesday, and a chance to uh, a chance to even this series and really, really put the pressure on Vegas at this point in the year. Let's talk more about that wild game right now because I got to admit, my confidence level was not great going into that game. If you could see, if you had a live look in at me on uh, on Monday as I was preparing for you know this weird 9:30 start, like how am I, what am I going to do for a show, you know that I want to get posted really early Tuesday, but the game's not going to end till midnight. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to hedge. You do that as a writer, you do that, you know, with the podcast, especially if you're trying to do, you know, at a certain time of day. I'm trying to hedge, like, what do I think is going to happen in this game? What's the most likely? So what, where am I going to put most of my, most of my effort? So, you know, the strategy was this, if they win, which they did, it's going to be easy, right? He's going to want to talk about the game, which I'm going to do here in a minute. Um, you highlight all the key moments, things like that. Easy. But if they lose, no one's going to want to really hear about how they lost. We're going to have to spin it way forward to, you know, the rest of the season. I'm sorry, the rest of, you know, beyond this season, I should say. Um, you know, what, what is this organization going to do? What do they need? Who might they trade? Things like that. And uh, as it turned out, Zach Parisi played a prominent role in either case because you know I was looking total totally looking up a lot of his buyout stats last uh, you know yesterday as I was preparing for the game looking at could they trade him what what are they going to look to do in the offseason I think a lot of those things are still in play as are you know potential trades for a frontline center and again I think we saw that in uh, even in Monday's game what they're lacking because you know for for as as good as the Wild must feel this morning um you know they that that was one they stole flat out i mean they get out shot 40 to 14 that series probably should be over yes but we've, we've talked a lot about expected goals in this series vegas coming into the game right around where they were supposed to be scoring through four games based on their chances they had 12 goals coming into the game their expected goals were right around there so that that made sense the wild expected goals were somewhere between nine and ten goals they, they should have been outscored by about two by Vegas for the series. Instead, they'd only scored four goals coming into the game. So you're wondering if something was going to even out, if they're going to get some, you know, what they call in hockey puck luck or just kind of throwing pucks at the net, hoping something goes in and, uh, you know, not, not not always the prettiest goals, but, uh, you know, hoping that, that you can generate something. And that's exactly what happened in Monday's game. They, you know, they, they get some, some greasy goals, as they say, and, and Zach Parisi's right at the middle of that. Tied 1-1 in the first period, and you know, he takes a there's a rebound and comes to him basically behind the net. He just throws it right off Marc-Andre Fleury's pad and into the net, kind of tucks it short side. 
you know, not a not a work of art. Something you've seen Zach Parisi do though over the years, just the kind of goal that kind of takes the wind out of another team's sails, right? Because that's not like a grade A chance. It's just a heads up play, a smart play, a veteran play uh, from a guy who has done this in the playoffs before. I think that was his 36th career playoff goal, something like that. It was his 78th career playoff point. So does make you wonder, should they have gone to Parisi a little earlier in the series, but you, you know, as before game four, uh, but you do also have to remember, this is a guy who did not play much down the stretch, and when he did play, his ice time was really diminished. This is the second most minutes in a meaningful game uh, that Zach Parisi has played since the end of March, uh, and he was, only on the, he was on the ice for about 14 minutes in this game, so in a slightly elevated role from where he had been, and he definitely repaid them. You could see it. He was exuberant when he scored he was exuberant on the bench when the when the wild got that empty net goal in the final minute to so to more or less clinch things so there'll be time to talk about Zach Parisi a little bit more in the coming days what's his future here what's he going to say about his role here right now though he was instrumental in that win Enjoy your money your way when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today or get started at rcu.org slash your way. Insured by NCUA. Parisi more or less said that after the game. He's tried not to be a distraction uh, during this playoff run. Let's hear a little bit more from Zach Parisi after his big night uh, on Monday. You know, the theme all along, I guess the last couple of days has been win a game. I mean, it's uh win a period, win a shift, win a game and, and go from there. I mean, if you, if you look at, if you, you look at, Hey, we got to win three in a row that that's against the Vegas. That seems like a pretty tough task, but I think um, our, our mentality was just let's go down there, give it a great effort and, and, and bring the series back to Minnesota. And, and, you know, that was the first step for us. Um, and, um, now, now, like Ian was saying, we'll get ourselves ready for the next one. Um, but it's, uh, that, I think that was kind of what we took out of, of, of that conversation. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what his role is in game six. Have to imagine they'll keep that line together since it, it clicked reasonably well. Um, you know, at the same time, I wonder if Dean Evison will be tempted to, uh, to maybe make some tweaks because, Let's be honest. You, I don't think you can play that way again and expect to win. Like I said, the uh, you know expected goals through the whole series, you know the Wild was closer to Vegas than they were on the actual scoreboard. Um, Monday night, expected goals were closer to four two in favor of Vegas. Actual goals were the complete opposite, four two in favor of the Wild. So, you know, if there were games earlier in the series where you're like, ah, I don't think the Wild got the the outcome they deserved. Um, I think you could say you certainly could say the same thing about Game Five. So maybe at this point, the series is about what it's supposed to be. Maybe we got here kind of a weird way. I think the Wilds, the two games the Wild won, which happened to be both in Vegas, weren't necessarily the games they played the best in this series. I think you know they might have had better moments in Game Two and parts of Game Four. Um, you know, it's just hockey again when you don't score a lot when the point. You know, when the points, goals, etc., any game like that, um, any sport like that, that, that that goes in such a small increment, you're going to have a wide variance in who deserved to win from a night-to-night basis. And, you know, the hope 
is over a seven-game series, that kind of evens itself out. And I think it has in this case. I think 3-2 Vegas, based on how things have gone, how things have been played, is probably a fair result right now. I think the Wild doesn't have to feel necessarily fortunate that they're still alive in this series. I think they deserve to a large degree to still be alive in this series because I think they've played on par uh, well enough to at least get to this point at 3-2. But I don't think they they can't play like this in Game 6 and expect to win. So I wonder if there will be even more kind of lineup tweaking or if Dean Evison will look at it and say, hey, you know what, we won like this. We're coming home. Let's use this momentum. Let's not switch things up. Let's keep guys in these familiar roles. And a lot of these lines we're very familiar from, you know, the the early part of the season when you had, you know, Zuccarello and Kaprizov and Rask together. Of course, you've had, you know, Greenway, Eck, and uh, and Felino together for almost the whole season. You reunite Hartman with Fiala. You put Parisi on that line. And then you have the fourth line that's more of a checking line with Benino, Stern, and Bugstead. That that might be, you know, short of putting in Matt Boldy, the the highly touted rookie that a lot of fans want to see and that I'm frankly curious about as well. You know, short of making some kind of dramatic move like that, you know, which maybe is more plausible in a home context than a road context, but still doesn't seem likely. If they haven't done it yet, I don't expect them to do that in an elimination game. But short of that, may I I don't necessarily think they would juggle the lines, but I guess my bigger point is they can't play the way they played Monday and expect a similar outcome, that they can get this back to Vegas with that kind of game. That might be the kind of game they would have to win in Game 7 because I would imagine, you know, if they got there, Vegas would have, you know, an onslaught in that game and, you know, similar to the whole second period uh, of Monday's game where they outshot the Wild like 22-23-1. to It was just... It was just bonkers watching that period, watching the Wild hang on for dear life. And I did think... I share. I'll share this with uh, you know, one of our uh, one of our fan fans that called in after the game. You know, I felt like getting to the end of that period with a lead at the very least, as opposed to previous games where, you know, they had, they had taken Vegas's best shot in the second period and Vegas had passed them. It was like you know a one goal lead at the end of the second period of game two and game three. If they could have gotten past those with a lead or even a tie, those games might have been different. And I felt like that was the case. They were able to regroup on Monday kind of catch their breath. They did not play a perfect third period, but it was a much better period. It was more, you know, they, they gave Vegas some chances, but they, they got some of their own chances. They got some of their own shots off. They got some of their own possession. So I think the temptation will be to, to keep things the same and try to have a better effort within that context. But I do, you know, you can't just expect to play this way and win. I think Dean Evison had a message like that after the game. Let's hear from him right now. Well, we talked, before the game that once those breaks come our way, uh, we hope that it'll keep snowballing into, into that great big ball. Right. And, uh, that we can just, we can, you know, use this momentum, uh, to go forward. And I think our group doesn't matter where we play. Yeah. We love playing at home. There's no question. Our record's good, but at this time of year, it doesn't matter. Like we're going to use our fans for sure. Um, like they do. Our fans are fabulous. They're loud, energetic. They're going to give us jump, um, and hopefully we can ride uh, this game right into that one. Bottom line right now, though, it's a series. This wasn't a series, really, until they won that game. I, I think this would have been a disappointment if they had lost Monday. Um, as good as this regular season was, if they would have lost in five games, 
especially after winning game one on the road. This would have felt like a massive disappointment. I'm not saying it won't feel that way. It won't be disappointing if they lose game six or even game seven. But I will say this. It feels like a series now. It feels like they have crossed some sort of minimum threshold for my expectations for this series to win two games, to put some pressure on the opponent. I'm not saying be satisfied with that. I'm not saying moral victory. I'm saying we have a series now, and that's uh, that's all you can that's all you can ask for at a certain level when you're playing a quality opponent like Vegas, a team that is let's let's face it better than the Wild. Um, so we'll see what happens on uh, on Wednesday night. But you know, suddenly that confidence level that a lot of people had that was you know down in the two, three, you know zero, negative one out of ten, uh, that's soaring right now after one game. All right, we're going to run a bunch of fan calls right now. This is post-game. I'm doing this like 12.30 a.m. Good times. We'll post this in the morning. But uh, I got Johnny here on uh, on the Zoom line. I actually taught Johnny in uh, my journalism class this year at the U. Johnny Kaner, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Absolutely. What was your... So I, I put out a tweet before the game started asking for people's confidence level in the game on a scale of 1 to 10. Where was your confidence level going into this game? Um, I would say it was at about a three, just given kind of the demoralizing homestand. We had games three and game four, a lot of fans and players and even Dean Evison seemed like they were pretty disappointed in the refing that's going along in this series, the goaltender interference call, all that stuff being said, I, I thought the wild were kind of ready to get out of Dodge, lose in Vegas and hit the golf courses, but they hung on and outshot 39, 13, I believe, but they were able to get the win. So I, yeah, probably a three out of 10. Yeah, it's a hard way to win, don't now because I know going back to St. Paul, where are you at confidence wise? I mean, you feel like you got a little did did they get a lot of momentum out of this game, or do you feel like there's still more to prove uh, in St. Paul? Honestly, I don't know how much technically momentum they got. I just feel like a lot of the pressure now is back onto Vegas. I mean, I think the wild are basically in like a no lose situation here in in the hole they put themselves in in Vegas. They blew a three, one series lead in 2019, the last team to do that in the NHL. So I think all the pressure is on Vegas now. So I think it's kind of a no lose situation for many here. You know, I thought a big deal was now they've had, they've had some collapses here with game two, you know, they, they got up one, nothing, then gave Vegas two goals late in the second period. Same with game three, they get up, they carry the two, nothing lead into the, into the second period, but then Vegas gets what three in the second um, I thought a big key was even though the second period was just total tilt of the ice, they only give up one. They go into that third period with the lead, at least instead of, you know, even though the momentum completely shifted there, what, what, what's your, what were you thinking going into as you, as you kind of were watching the game as they withstood that barrage, did you think they could hold on in the third period? You know, after they withstood the barrage, um, I, I thought they could just because Vegas, the last five minutes of that second period, they were pressing real hard and I thought they were able to, or they were going to be able to get a late goal in the second, but it turned out they weren't. And then we really buckled down in the third. And I think that kind of gave us a jolt going into the third with the lead and a really tough place to play. Um, I actually had a higher confidence level uh, than I did in the middle of that second period. Funny enough. Awesome. Well, then the, the after net goal goes in any, any big picture thoughts on this game? Any, anybody that you liked, didn't like lineup decisions, things like that. Um, I think Zach Parisi should be on the power play, even though we didn't get a power play. Uh, I also, <laughs> I also think, um, Kaprizov and Fiala, they, they need a center to play with Victor Rask on the second line. It, it, it's just enough. I get that. There's not much to work with, but, and what's Matt Boldy doing in the press box at this point? Honestly, I mean, there's nothing to lose here. Put the kid in. He's the 12th overall pick Spencer Knight. Just won a playoff game. He's 20 years old. Put Boldy in the lineup. I like it. Johnny. Good stuff. I'm going to run some other ones here. All right. 
Thanks, Michael. Hey, is this Tom? It is. Tom, what's your uh, what was your confidence level going into this game? <laughs> uh, definitely not high. Uh, I'd say like a one out of one to or you had zero to ten. Um, once we got up three one, I certainly felt much better. But from there, it, it went down <laughs> pretty quickly until the last till the horn went off. Do you think they were going to pull it out after that second period? I mean, it was it was a lot a uh, lot going on. Man, that was, I mean, like everyone's, you know, uh, Russo and, and Judd and all those guys are saying that was just uh, uh, abysmal. I've, uh, I haven't seen a period like that in, in years. So, um, no, I, uh, once the second was over, I did not think they'd pull it out um, until um, uh, Sturm got that, the empty netter. Uh, I, I did, still didn't have very high hopes. What's your confidence level now going back to St. Paul? I mean, it's 3-2 the series. It feels like, you know, the Wild obviously still facing the elimination game but you know vegas has you know lost one chance to clinch already now they got to go back to st paul where you know admittedly they they won the first two games of the series but they've had problems there you what's your confidence level at this point in you know in the wild taking this to a game seven at least yeah i i'm, I'm certainly much more uh, optimistic going into game six than i was game five i mean obviously the wild uh been strong at home all year. Uh, and as you said, you know, Vegas hasn't had good luck there. Um, you know, the wild just have to show up and play three periods like they did, uh, the first period of game two, the first period tonight, you know, I mean, they just got to put together uh, a, a nice long stretch, but, um, I think they can certainly do it. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see it going back to Vegas for game seven. At that point, you know, it, it's, you know, it's kind of anybody's game. And we saw that I was part of the this is a long time ago as a much younger man back then, but I was part of the coverage of, you know, the 2003 run where, you know, if you remember mm-hmm. both of those series, they won over Colorado and Vancouver were both, you know, three, one deficits. And somehow they came back in both, they had to win two road games in both cases too. So it's not impossible, but right. man, Vegas, Vegas is, I think Vegas is better than I gave them credit for coming into the series. I don't, they, they seem like they've got, they've got something going, but the, the wild they've, they've got something going too. It, it was, not a pretty way to win a game, but uh, I think, you know, if you, if you win is a win, especially when you're facing an elimination. Right. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because uh, up until tonight, I think this series kind of reminded me of in 2003 when we played Anaheim in the, in the conference finals, yeah. when, I mean, Jaguar was standing on his head and that's kind of the way Flurry had been playing up till now. Um, so I, I just felt like, yeah, you just can't beat a guy like that. But at least tonight they started, you know, the Parisi hitting it off of his pads or off his back and Greenway did, you know, was, uh, persevered on that one. So, um, just, I mean, that's what you have to do is get some fluke goals and they, they certainly did that. So yeah, I, I can see him uh, pushing into a game seven and then, you know, it's, it's, uh, up for grabs then. Conversely, how disappointed would you have been as good as the season was? How disappointed would you have been if they would have gotten bounced in five games in the playoff series, especially four in a row at the end? Yeah, I mean, uh, disappointed, definitely, because, you know, I, I think they got the opponent. They they obviously best matched up with. I mean, Colorado, is, you know, who no one's going to beat them, it looks like. And St. Louis, the Wild could beat them. So, you know, the matchup was was their best um um aligned um so you know it, it, it would have been disappointing to go out in five um and again we've all played vegas during the year um but i mean i i i still think you you know they've just shown their warts things they need to do in the off season um you know to, to compete better with those type of clubs
Yeah, they need more. They need more firepower. They need more. They need the frontline center. I mean, everybody knows that. They knew that going yeah. into the year, and I think it wasn't supposed to be this much of a problem because they weren't supposed to be this good. As part, as right. part of it, right? Right, right. So who you know, maybe next year Rossi can step in and and uh, you know uh, add some some um, talent there. But yeah, I mean, you know, if they did get by this series, I, I don't see him going any further. But you know, it's still fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Tom Peterson, thanks for uh, thanks for checking in on daily delivery, and we'll uh, we'll catch you down the road. Okay. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thanks to all the Wild fans who joined me on Zoom late, late, late after the game on Monday. Sorry to the ones I didn't get to. Appreciate you, and uh, maybe we'll do this again if we get into another situation where that seems like a good idea. All right, now let's transition to some talk of Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Maine. First off, um, his last Sports Center on. Uh, on, uh, on Monday night, kind of a disagreement with ESPN. They want to cut his pay. He took the high road, said, no, no, thanks. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave this job that I've had for a very, very long time, long time host of the, uh, you know, 11, 11 PM slash 10 PM sports center. Aaron Rodgers was his guest. One of his guests for his farewell show. First public comments in a long time, especially since the trade chatter started. Interesting comments from Rodgers. I don't think it was, you know, bombshell material but uh he did clarify some things he clarified that he's not been at otas right now clarified that he is upset with the organization didn't say you know what he wanted the outcome of that to be but it's pretty clear at this point that he's still not uh not happy made it clear that he, his problems with the organization here's a quote from him from that show uh talking to kenny main with my situation look it's never been about the draft pick picking jordan love I love Jordan. He's a great kid. We've had a lot of fun to work together. Love the coaching staff. My teammates love the fan base in Green Bay. An incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a philosophy and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make it make the thing go. It's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. Two things about that stand out to me. One, sure sounded a little bit like past tense it's been a great an incredible 16 years feels a little bit like past tense um don't want to read too much into that but when he's talking it does sound like he's there's a part of him that's moved on in his mind not to say that can't change back uh there's a part of him that does sound like it's moved on in his mind second thing um interesting that uh Sure sounds like it's a shot at Brian Gutekunst, the uh the, the general manager uh, of the of the Packers. Character, culture, people doing things the right way. Later on in the show, he thanked a ton of people in Green Bay, but Brian Gutekunst was not one of them. Uh so makes you wonder. Second thing from the from the second second quote that I want to get to from the appearance. This was even more interesting. Basically him speculating on how we got here. And that it wasn't so much the drafting of Jordan Love, although that's that's part of it. Uh, but basically, that he thinks they had a succession plan in place, and that he basically messed it all up by being the MVP last year, which I hadn't really thought about that context. But here's his quote: "A lot of this was put in motion last year, and the wrench was just kind of thrown into it when I won MVP and played the way I played last year." Rogers said, "This is just kind of, I think, a spill out of all that." Interesting. It's interesting. It's uh, so basically he's saying I think he's basically saying they wanted to move on from him after the 2020 season, um, but he played so well that all of a sudden they were like, well, do we really want to do this right now? If the plan was to sit love for a year 
um, then is that really the plan anymore? And he's like, well, if that was the plan, let's, let's, let's go. Let's move on. I don't want to be here if you're not interested in me in the long term. And, of course, 2020 turned out to be a, a very strange year, and they kind of maybe could guess at that by the time the draft had rolled around because we were already into the pandemic. But again, you know, everything that you look back on now and say, yeah, you should have seen that coming. Like nobody really knew what the pandemic was going to look like in its full scope, right? We didn't know that it was going to, you know, completely wipe out attendance most places, that it was going to, you know, cut out the preseason completely, that it was going to, you know, make it so that nobody got many reps and stuff like that. Made it really hard on a young quarterback. So, you know, Green Bay obviously having a problem with that. So maybe they maybe they push their time. Maybe maybe organizationally they've pushed their timeline back a year and now want Aaron Rodgers for at least another year. But he's probably thinking, well, if you don't want me long term, if you just want me for one more year, trade me right now. Let's let's just be done with this. You don't get the benefit of everything you want because you are the ones that initiated trying to move on from me. So. Interesting, another interesting appearance by Aaron Rodgers and more interesting quotes from him. I'll be interested to see how, you know, this keeps going, but we're getting close to, you know, that June 1st date. And I know there's there's been some moves by the league that 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 could make a, a trade like that happen even now, but you know, there's there's some stuff in his contract that makes post June 1st trade a more likely scenario and we're only we're less than a week from June 1st now. So maybe this is going to heat up a little bit more uh, before there's any kind of resolution and you know if he's going to become a pain in the butt but what if he what if he sits out a year and hosts jeopardy that'd be awesome that'd be amazing i would love that um but but we'll we'll see we'll see what he what he wants to do and what he wants to say um i, I don't think it necessarily got a whole lot messier last night but but just hearing from aaron Rodgers and him clarifying his situation was interesting in the very least Let's end with the cooler. Don't look now, but the Twins have won three of their last four games. They beat Baltimore eight to three on uh, on Monday night. Weird game, right? They were up uh, two to one in the uh, in the late innings. Then there's a rain delay. They get back on the field. Baltimore goes ahead on a home run, three two. You're thinking, here we go again. The bullpen has coughed up another lead, which they did. The Twins rally for six in the bottom of the eighth, a lot of different contributors to that, um, you know, long, long home run by Trevor Larnick early in the game. Kyle Garlick goes deep again, uh, to, to give them that two, one lead, a good outing by Matt Shoemaker. That's two in a row for him, giving them some solid, solid pitching from that, uh, that number five spot, uh, which they could desperately use, especially with Kenta Maeda and Michael Pineda on the injured list. But, you know, Long story short, they win eight to three, eighteen and twenty nine this season. You know, all along, you know, we, we, I keep saying, find the little joys, and I think that's still absolutely true. And I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm still kind of tracking, like for whatever reason, I think back to twenty. I, th- I always think back to two thousand six, and when they were twenty five and thirty three, and then went seventy one and thirty three the rest of the way. So we're not quite at that point in the season. But I keep kind of doing the math in my head as they get closer to that point. Like, what do they have to do over the next X games to be 25 and 33? Because for whatever reason, even though it's, it shouldn't be plausible, that, that's not a good record. But you've seen them do a huge turnaround from that record, albeit with Johan Santana and Francisco Liriano in the rotation, uh, which they don't think they have this year. Um, Kenta Maeda and Jose Barrios 
could possibly get on a somewhat similar run, but they're not the same as those guys. Anyway, though, to get to 25 and 33 at this point, the point at which they had that massive turnaround in 2006, they have to go 7 and 4 in their next 11 games. And that's not out of the question because a lot of I think all those games are against Baltimore or Kansas City who are also at the bottom of the league with the Twins right now, but still not not at the point where I'm I'm going to start kind of checking the standings every day or wondering, you know, hey, are they you know, are they closing in on the White Sox? Can you squint and see? Ah, they're only six back now. Right now it's nine and a half. I did check, I'll admit. But still, I think you're still at the point where you're try- trying to take any little joys you can out of this season instead of hoping that there's going to be some kind of dramatic turnaround that has not presented itself yet. All that said, good win for them. And, uh, you know, if they can keep stringing some more wins together, maybe I'm going to have to change my perspective. But I'm not. I'm not at that point yet, not even close. That'll do it for today. Should be a good one coming up tomorrow. Expecting to have Adrian Heath, Minnesota United manager, coach, whichever way you want to put it. Manager is kind of the traditional term in soccer. Coach is kind of the Americanized term. Either way, he should be on the show. We'll talk a lot of soccer. He's got a lot of varied interests, though. Probably talk a lot of other sports as well. Looking forward to that. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery today. Download this podcast. Write a review if you would. Leave a rating. Always, always, always read Start Tribune at StartTribune.com. And we will catch you again on Wednesday. 